When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Troy Smith with Cleveland.com, and I do a podcast called CLE Rocks, which looks back at the memorable uh, people, moments, places, Northeast Ohio music history. Uh, and here I am at Wonderstruck. We decided to do a live podcast to talk about the music festival industry and what goes into putting on an event like Wonderstruck. Um, so I'll just, you know, let's introduce the panel here, and we're recording, so everybody knows we're recording. Uh, if you want to listen to it or tell your friends to listen to it, it'll be up on cleveland.com tomorrow morning. Um, but let me introduce my, my esteemed panel here. Uh, I'm going to start with Denny Young, who is the president and founder of Elevation Group, which is the Northeast Ohio-based company which puts on Wonderstruck, Wonderbus, what are the other wonders? Wonder Road and Wonder Cummings. Yeah, Wonder <laughs> Cummings. Um, Denny, what's it feel like? I mean, you, you guys plan this event every year. What's it feel like when you're actually here and watching it come to fruition each time? It's great. I mean, anybody that was here yesterday saw amazing performances throughout the day. Uh, the Lumineers, all-time low, 24K Golden, and Ty Verdes collaborated uh, yesterday on AOK. It was beautiful. Ran three stages, perfect weather, and all kinds of activities for everyone. Cool. Uh, to my right, Jackie Popovec. Am I, am I pronouncing that right? Yep. All right. She is the lead singer of Youngstown Band, the Vindies. Um, now, you played Wonderstruck last year, correct? Yes, we played Wonderstruck um, at the Laurel. Correct. And then we played here a um, couple years back. And uh, recently, we just did the Indianapolis um, one, uh, the Wonder Road. Correct. The inaugural one. Right? Correct, and very good at that, Jackie. I appreciate you remembering all that. <laughs> What's it like to be a spectator here, not performing, just having a chill day, going around, checking out other bands? Well, I miss the catering portion, uh, for sure, because the hospitality is always great here. So, But um, the uh, VIP and um, you know, just being here and out in the audience watching my favorite bands, like this is going to be a great day. Cool. Glad you're here. It's different. <laughs> Uh, on my left, Steve Oberman, uh, Vice President and Executive Vice President and Head of Music at Sea Tickets. So if, is this your, oh wow, Steve, you got, a, oh man, we got some Steve groupies over here. Uh, okay, Steve, so if people, they got their tickets, they got them from Sea Tickets to Wonderstruck. That's right. Cool. All the wonders, yeah. Yeah, and what are some of the other events? Because it's global. Your company's global. So what are some of the other huge festivals people know? We do Glastonbury. We do Pitchfork. We do Telluride Bluegrass and about... 80 other independent festivals around North America. Awesome, awesome. And last but not least, uh, Andrea Smith, who is the tour manager for this band called Vampire Weekend, which I think is playing tonight to close out the show. Yes, we are. Uh, Andrea, you know, what, what can we expect from the performance tonight? You've been on the road with the band. What are people going to get tonight in the finale for this show? They're going to get classic Vampire Weekend mixed in with a lot of their new album as well. They always bring the energy. The fans always bring the energy, and it's always just such a fun time. All right, cool. So we're going to talk about music festivals, so I'm going to kick it back to Denny. Um, 
I want to go back to the pandemic because Wonderstruck 2021 was really the first Northeast Ohio major music event sort of ushered back in live music. Um, what is it, what's it been like now planning these festivals? Is it back to business as usual, would you say, or are we getting there? I honestly don't think there's anything usual about 2022. Uh, last year was really interesting because we were the first to announce and we were the first to go when really nothing else was happening. So this pent-up demand last year created a storm of buyers and energy and excitement. Um, this year has been different. And uh, Andrea knows because we were just in Indianapolis together with Vampire Weekend at Wonder Road. That went on sale in December and we sold 70% of our tickets at that time. And then um, this, the festival eventually sold out, which was fabulous. But in February, when the war started in Europe and gas prices shot through the roof, you know, we all kind of hit a brick wall. And I think that that's just starting to loosen up. I mean, we had an enormous crowd here yesterday, but I was sweating it out the entire time. Steve, would you say, you know, looking at all the festivals you guys cover, is that sort of... Uh, the sentiment, you know, globally in the industry? Absolutely. In North America, especially. Um, last year was a record-breaking year for a lot of our festivals. People had doubled their sales and everything else. This year, it started off strong. Um, and then, like Denny said, uh, it really dropped. Um, what we're seeing this year is a pattern of people buying last minute, making sure that, um, you know, gas prices are what they are and that they're, that they're healthy and everything else. But uh, attendance is definitely down across the, the, the board. Uh, Andrea, as you know, being on the road with the band, yeah, I think, did you guys just play outside lands? Is that, did Vampire Weekend? No, we were in Indianapolis okay. last. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, what's it like, okay, you're, at, you're back out with the band on festivals. From a band standpoint, how are things different, or are they back to usual uh, post Post, I don't want to say post-pandemic because obviously things are still going on, right. but you know what I mean. Everyone's definitely right. Nothing is back to usual. You are always worried about COVID or travel being affected. So I feel like everyone, band, crew, fans are always on their toes. You never really know what to expect next. You definitely need plans A through Z. Just be prepared for anything to go wrong at all times. Definitely not back to normal, but hopefully we will be soon. Uh Jackie, what was it like with as a band performing at Wonderstruck last year and some of the festivals to feel that sort of pent-up demand, not just for you guys because you wanted to get back out there and play, yeah. but also what was the energy like in 2021 when you guys did start playing? Um, so, you know, during COVID obviously was, you know, just a complete wash. So when we got back out there on in 2021, there was that... that um, that demand to see shows again. I remember um, watching a band for the first time at a at a playing at a just a restaurant bar and thinking, "Wow, do I miss just music, live music, and in general?" So um, to do something like this and ha and watch um, these festivals grow every year and just to see that 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 growth and uh, demand for music um, and community um, that this is everything you know, for, especially for. Um, bands like me, um, to be a part of something like this has just been a great ride. And Denny, you mentioned it, and we talk, you know, throughout this process, you know, all the planning, but what are some of the things you guys step back 
Um, and, and how did you adjust to the climate, you know, to make sure that this festival would be a success? What are some of the changes you made, some of the adjustments to attract people to get them here? Well, uh, first of all, what we've noticed in particular this year with our four festivals that we run, Indianapolis and Pittsburgh were brand new in markets that didn't already have any music festivals. And because they were new, we priced them differently than we priced our established festivals. And the established festivals were priced a bit higher. Well, when you hit the uh, economic log jam that we all hit this year, people responded to price, and that's just a fact. And so the new festivals um, were, nothing is easy in this business, but the new festivals were easier uh, to motivate people to buy and activate people, and we've had to work a lot harder on the established festivals. And my father said to me recently, you know, surviving 2020, 2021, and 2022 and standing at the end, that's a win. And a lot of people aren't going to survive. And I feel blessed that we're here and we're working with great artists and we're running incredible festivals. And while 2022 is not what 2019 was for us or what 2023 may be, uh, the fact that we're surviving and, and going to be able to thrive into the future, that's what's most important. Steve, you mentioned... Uh you know, ticketing attendance being down across the board. What are some of the other trends? Are people being pickier about which festivals they go to? Are people, you know, going from, I'm going to go to five festivals <laughs> this year to maybe one or two? What are some of the other trends in the, in the industry? You know, it's, it's uh, we're trying to figure out why pe people aren't coming. I think that what you said is, is, is probably accurate with, with, uh, uh, with gas prices high and inflation and just and just travel prices, you know, uh, if you flew here a, a year ago, it was like $150. Now it's like $600. It's like, you know, you, you have to really pick uh, the festivals that you're going to go to and make it the ones that are special instead of instead of attending a whole bunch. Andrea, take me through uh, the process of a band, if you will. A band like Vampire Weekend, you know, they want to hit the road, play. How does, you know deciding what festivals to play to play a festival versus you know a regular headlining gig what are the process that they go through well this year is very unique for us we're not on a full tour because of covid and coming back from 2020 and 2021 we did want to pick very specific festivals and just do a few in order to protect the band and protect you know the risk of having to cancel a full tour so this year we're only we're not fully back on the road we're only doing about five shows in total and obviously we had to come and do the wonders with our dear friend and it's been an amazing turnout so far Denny, is this is there an advantage to doing a festival like this compared to a festival that people have to drive hundreds of miles to not that you know, obviously, I'm sure you get people from well outside Ohio for something like this, but this can be a festival that every, you know, everywhere in Ohio, people can drive to for limited gas prices, I guess, compared to going to something further away. Is there an advantage to it? So you guys putting on these festivals like this? I, I do think there's an advantage. Um, it's interesting because this year you look at mega festivals like Coachella or Austin City Limits and they're outliers and they're doing really big numbers and that's amazing but then a festival like Bonnaroo really struggled this year and Bonnaroo's been around a long time and those are for the most part destination festivals 
And I think for us, one of the areas where we've excelled is we put our flag in the ground of kind of being local and regional. And then as we built out our business and we went from Cleveland to Cleveland and Columbus to Cleveland, Columbus, Indianapolis to Cleveland, Columbus, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh with more coming, um, I think that the Wonder brand, we all kind of laugh sometimes about that, but I think it works. And so somebody that was in Columbus says, it's only a short drive to Cleveland, and the lineup's different, and I do want to see Vampire Weekend. So, and we know what we're going to get when we go to a Wonder Festival. So I do think that's super important. And I would tell you that 75% of our ticket buyers for Cleveland and Columbus are coming from Ohio, and 75% of our ticket buyers for Indianapolis came from Indiana. And you might say, well, of course they did. That's normal. But... You know, somebody like Bonnaroo depends on people to come from all over the country, and the problems of 2022 are really compounded at some of these destination festivals. Jackie, for your band right now, a band that's, you know, relatively still young, been around eight years or so, you know, what kind of decision? When you guys get together and talk about the type of shows you want to play, how do you, you know, what goes into deciding what festivals you want to play, what kind of tour you want to do now? Um, well, I always prided the, the Vindies, my band, um, as being a grassroots kind of band where we have radiused out from um, our home base of Youngstown, Ohio. So we have grown um, in a circle. So we've done the Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Columbus thing and beyond. We'll go out. It's a perfect central location to get to any major city uh, within a half a day. You could be in uh, New York City, you could be in Chicago, you could be in Nashville. So we really love the, the being from this area. And also, the Midwest loves music. So it, you just see it th through the growth of these uh, events like this. It's, it's a wonderful thing. And to tap into that, that's what these guys are doing. And it's just awesome. I got to ask you this, Steve. Um, and this, I guess this is counter to your business, but... Are, are there too many festivals? Is, can there be too many festivals? <laughs> yes, there can. Uh, you know, there's, there's definitely a saturation, especially when the bigger companies will put the same headliner on, on every festival and, and, it's, and it's very close. I think, you know, starting and maintaining an independent music festival um, like the way that Sydney has and, and others um, is hard and I think you have to have more than just the good bands you have to put a brand behind it like people have to know what to expect when you get here this is a very uh, you know family friendly um, and nice outdoor place to, to, to hang out and being able to cultivate something like that is, is, is super important if you're going to keep an independent festival alive and compete with all the majors uh, Andrea when whether it's wonder the wonders or uh, Bonnaroo or wherever you guys do Glastonbury what, what constitutes a success? I mean, when you guys pick a festival and you go to play a festival, uh, what's the goal? And when you walk away from it, what makes it a successful trip for you guys? For me, it's if the band is happy, obviously. Uh, but for the band, I think it's if the crowd is happy. You can have a good show musically. You can have a bad show musically. And how the crowd reacts to you and the energy that they bring really changes the entire vibe for the band. So really it's what everybody brings to the table and they're able to give that back to the crowd. That makes them the happiest, which then makes myself and the crew the happiest as well. Is it, from an operations standpoint, tour operations, is it 
festival easier than, you know, a, a headlining gig at a club or same? It's just all very different. How? Yeah. How? Well, when you're walking into a venue, uh, it's kind of your rules. You get to take over the venue that day. And when you're at a festival, you're obviously sharing the space, the stage, the backstage, the compound with so many different artists. So it just brings a lot of new challenges to the table. And it challenges the crew, myself and the band, um, to just a different environment. It's very fun. You know, we talk about, are there too many festivals? But, Jackie, for a band like the Vindies, how beneficial is it to have so many festivals? Because, you know, you don't even have to leave Ohio. and You've got, like, a dozen options, whether it's the Wonders or Bunbury when it comes back or Bellwether. You don't even know what festivals are still active or not. I mean, there's you Google Ohio music festivals and you get a full page. How beneficial is it to have those options? Um, with the... the the Vindies, um, to open up for a band like Vampire Weekend is huge. Um, it's getting in front of different fan bases that might not uh, necessarily have heard you before. So getting on a lineup like this with Vampire Weekend is just is amazing. So if for, especially um, when Elevation Group calls the Vindies who is, don't do the national runs um, and they call us out to do Indianapolis Wonder Road and, and to get on that bill and be, to be from Youngstown, Ohio and be able to do, do that, that's amazing. Denny, with the, that number of festivals, you know, and it's, it's grown and grown in the past decade, what is the, what's the key to competing? You know, what, what do you, when you step back, I mean, you, got, you started the Wonders in that time. Um, what was, you know, what were the key factors you looked at when you wanted to make sure you're going to be successful and compete with all the other festivals? Well, first of all, I want to say, you know, Live Nation, AEG, which are the giants of the industry, run by really smart, successful operators and promoters and have, you know, gigantic footprint around the world. But I think, and I'm looking at Andrea and I'm looking at Jackie when I say this, I think there's still something about kind of that small, personal, I got your back, I care about you touch. And I think that we treat our festivals like this is the most important thing in the world. Whereas if you're at a big company and you have 30, 40 festivals, it's just another place and another day and another stop. And when Vampire Weekend and the Vindies leave Indianapolis, we want them to say, we were treated really well. They helped with everything we asked for. They didn't spare a penny on providing comfort for us while we were there. They took care of their fans. And as Andrea said a moment ago, the band really enjoyed being there and had the experience. And I really believe that that's the feedback we've heard and get. And I'm not sure they're getting the same treatment and coming out of some of the big festivals with the same kind of vibe. Andrea, I'm not, I'm not going to ask you to comment on the, the vibe from the big festivals. We'll get you banned from Bonnaroo or something. But no, is, is that true? Because Vampire Week has always been, since they came out, they feel there's this intimate feeling for, for people who listen to their music. Um, you know, is that, I, I know Vampire Week has played some of the biggest festivals in the world, but 
Is he right? Is there something, you know, extra special or a little something, you know, special about playing these these type of festivals? It is so nice to see the same staff in a lot of the, both of the places. I mean, it, coming back here with the hospitality staff and Denny and just seeing the same people again, a lot of hellos, a lot of welcoming faces. You're not just walking into a new festival where you don't know anybody. So, yes, there's definitely something very homey and warm and wonderful about these festivals. And I also agree that you're playing to the people of Ohio or the people of Indianapolis. It's not just a festival where you feel like people are flying in from all over and you don't have that personal connection. We feel like we're playing to people who really want to be here, who drove to be here, and that feels really special. I gotta, I've got. i always wanted to ask you this, Denny, since you started The, the Wonders. Um, starting out, okay, you guys meet that first meeting for, let's say, 2023. How the heck do you build a festival lineup? Like, where do you start? Do you start at the headliners or work your way down? Do you go to your usual? Do you call the Vindies? Do you call Jackie? Like, are you guys available? Like, where do you start? Well, first of all, as it relates to the Vindies, and they're very smart, when we were booking Cleveland this year, I reached out to Jackie and I said, hey, you want to come to Cleveland? And she said, you know, we've done Cleveland a lot. Do you have anything else where we can fit in? And I said, you want to go to Indianapolis? And she said, that'd be perfect. Um, but the full lineup starts really at the top. It has to. Um, if you, you know, look at today, for example. I think, my opinion, and I'm only one person, Vampire Weekend. And then if you look below that, I think that Big Frida, Michael Franti, Saint Motel, all really complement Vampire Weekend. I don't know if Vampire Weekend agrees or not, but I, but I think like if you're a Vampire Weekend fan, this is a really great day for you. And I think that if you're a Michael Franti fan, this is a really great day for you. So it starts at the top, and then you try and kind of go through you know, the progressions of filling out the spot. And the truth be told, Troy, Sometime around the middle of September, my business partner and I will sit around the office on a late Friday with a couple of uh, adult beverages and start talking about who we want to bring next year, and it goes from there. Steve, you know, across the board, you know, when you read, you know, things about festival trends, you have people want to make festivals more diverse in terms of their lineups, but then you have these festivals that really hone in on a specific genre and types of bands what is the trend? I mean, is it all over the place? You know, what are you, what are you guys seeing? What are festivals doing in terms of trying to be more creative with their lineups? That's a great question. I think everyone's trying to answer how can we be more, more creative. Um, we have seen earlier in the year a, a, a staggering amount of success with genre-specific festivals, um, particularly uh, Live Nations when we were young. Um, they've sold more, more, more tickets to that one than I think they ever have for a festival before. They added a second day and everything else. Um, Afropunk has been doing great um, and, and, and a bunch of shows like that. Um, however, you know, it's a weird year. There was some uh, Latin festivals, one at Dodger Stadium that was supposed to happen, that just didn't hit and it got canceled. So, you know, some of them work and some of them don't. And uh, if I knew why, then uh, I'd be a lot richer. So pop punk... Uh, nostalgia is where it's at this year. <laughs> Seems to be, yeah. Uh, Jackie, as a fan, okay, take, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, the band has played festivals. What do you want to see in a festival? Just as a music fan, what do you, what do you prefer? Good weather. <laughs> we have that, we have that this weekend. Great weather. Um, 
as a fan, you know, it's it's one of those things that if I'm not, you know, playing on on the weekends, um, we're weekend warriors, you know, for sure. But if I'm not out there, I'm definitely going to my friends' shows or going to see some concert. So um, I'm one of those people that will wiggle my way up to the stage at some point, and then I'll just go back. And I like to I like to stand right next to the soundboard because that's where it sounds the best too. So throughout the day, guys, just so you know, that's the one trick for today. I actually, you know, it's gonna sound weird, but it, the music at this stage sounds really good. At the, in the porta potties, I don't I don't understand. <laughs> it's really just try it out. It sounds weird, but trust me, just go in there. I'm telling you, um, Andrea. Does it obviously, you guys? Are, Vampire Week is headlining here. When you play other festivals or even this one, uh, does it? Do you think it matters who else is playing, and how much does it matter if it does? It's always fun for us to see our friends, to be honest, to see other bands that we know and other crew that we know. I think that that's really fun for us as a band and as a crew. Um, besides that, I don't think it matters too much. So we'll see you guys at, like, incarceration someday? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. We'll see, we'll see if, if it's right. Uh, Steve, okay, you know, one, one, one thing about the festivals is, yes, they've grown, but we've seen, you've seen a lot come and go in that time what are some of the key factors when it determines not just obviously if you have attendance one year but what is it that makes a festival stick around to where we're still talking about it in 10 years the festival has to have a unique brand that goes beyond the music you want to create an environment where it doesn't matter who's playing you know that you're going to have a good time that's something that I think Coachella really has done well it doesn't matter who's playing you know it's going to be, be fun and um, in my view, the, the, the festivals that have survived the, the longest can maintain no matter who they book um, because they create um, a vibe and a culture that people just have to be at and a, a sense of FOMO if, if you're not there. Denny, you know, talk a bit about that for Wonderstruck, not just the culture, but tell me the process, you know, in naming the festival, deciding, like, what the festival was going to be. You know, you could have been heavy metal if you wanted it to be you know it could have been uh you know hip-hop i mean talk to me about that decision not just we want to do a festival but what the heck is this festival going to be and what's it going to stand for well when we started our first festival was in partnership with laurel school and it was called laurel live and that was very natural um because of where we were and who we were in partner uh, partnership with when we outgrew that and both Laurel and Elevation decided that it was time to find a new location. Obviously, we can't come to Lakeland Community College and call it Laurel Live. And somewhere in the middle there, we had started the Columbus Festival. And we have a partnership down in Columbus with an ad agency, and we were going through all kinds of different names. And Columbus, independent on its own, we came up with Wonderbus. Columbus, Wonderbus, et cetera. When we were switching to Lakeland with this festival, um, somebody in our office was going through Wonder This, Wonder That, Wonder Another Thing, and came up with Wonderstruck, and we all liked it. Thunderstruck, ACDC, kind of has a nice ring to it. And so um, that was born. And when we went to Indianapolis, um, it was Wonder Road. Uh, Indianapolis is kind of like the middle road of America, we learned. And so that was uh, a, a natural... Um, progression to name that festival and 
for us now, I don't think there's any turning back. We've put our flag in the ground for wonder. We've got other markets we're going to enter into next year and beyond. And um, when you keep talking about the wonders, I keep thinking the seven wonders of the world, except we have in our mind we're doing more than seven festivals, so I can't steal that. I think of the wonders from that thing you do, but that's, yeah, that's what pops in my head, yeah. Um, we so, sold tickets for Wonder Bus, and it wasn't until this day that I knew where the bus came from. I don't know how that, how that ever... I don't know why I never realized that. And, and, and since you've admitted that, I have to say, Troy said a minute ago, maybe we'll see Vampire Weekend at incarceration. Andrea is not from Ohio. That is a metal festival. Oh, yeah, yeah. If Vampire Weekend get, shows up there, I'm going to go just listen, for the spectacle. So the, it's at the uh, the old prison where they, they filmed Shawshank Redemption. So you have metal. I, I don't know who's playing. Who's playing this? It's Corn. Uh, it's somewhere Disturbed. between Corn, Slipknot, Slayer, yeah. some of those bands. But then Empire people Weekend fits right in there. Yeah, that's, then people yeah, get perfect. tattooed in the prison. <laughs> so they have all the tattoo artists set up there so the band could get tattooed. Um, it would be an interesting mix. I wanted to ask you, you in a short time, Denny, you've had some great headlining acts, um, just great acts in general, Vampire Weekend, Lumineers, and correct me if I'm wrong with some of these. Cheryl Crow you had, right? Cheryl Crow, right. Gary Clark Jr. was here. I mean, yep. you had some great acts. Who's who's on the wish list? Who's somebody you've wanted that you haven't been able to land or you want that? You <laughs> How about well, Florence and the Machine? I like this. Is that planned out or you just picked that shirt out this morning just randomly? Oh, there's always a method to my <laughs> madness. So next year, maybe. Yeah, but I do want to say, um, what I thought you were going to ask me is what were the most memorable shows. And I will tell you uh, three that come to mind, and two of them this year, and two related to weather. Um, Foster the People in 2018 at Laurel Live. We had this massive storm coming in, and we were minutes away from pulling the plug on Foster the People. And then the weather service told us, the lightning and high winds are going to go north of you. You're going to get an enormous amount of rain, but there will be no lightning or high winds. And the band said, we're going. And I said, we're going. And it actually elevated the performance. And it was incredible. And similar this year in Indianapolis, Andrea knows because we were trying to figure out, do we go early? Do we pull the plug? What's going on? Because we had a bad storm coming. Then it veered away, and all we were going to get was rain. The last three songs, when Vampire Weekend throws out their little earth balls that people bounce around, and it started raining, and it really elevated the fan experience. And if you looked at social media afterwards, everybody was like, oh my gosh, the last four songs, Vampire Weekend with the rain, it was magic. And then I will tell you, last night, Lumineers here was something special. I mean, the production, the performance, the crowd, the singing in unison. And, and of all the bands you've mentioned, those three stand out in my mind. Jackie, it, are the Wonders, are those the, would you say those are the biggest shows that the Vindies have played so far in terms of size you know, or um, some of the biggest? <laughs> I was definitely surprised by Indianapolis. Um, we don't really have a market out there um, right now to just dip our toes in, and the response was incredible. I have Hi-Fi calling me now and saying, hey, we should have you back. Uh, so, like, you know, they're going to try and pair us up. Gold Park, who played right after us, we're, they're coming back up to Cleveland. We're going to trade shows. So, um, yeah, I mean, these shows are connector shows for us to just, you know, make friends and um, 
find the bands that you know that you know you jive with and you can play more shows with so that's like the best part about this whole thing and troy i want to say one thing first when she mentions hi-fi that's like the grog shop or beachland ballroom of indianapolis so that's a win for the vindies to be seen by those people and want to come back secondly i went to the vindies performance in indianapolis i was blown away by the amount of people but here's what i think they played Chicago last year at a festival. They played Ohio festivals. And we get people from Chicago coming to Indy. And I think the word spreads. And I, I think there's good reason why there was a lot of people at their show. Steve, we, you know, let's talk about festival competition because you guys do tickets for a ton of festivals. Uh, some of them compete with each other, maybe. Um, you mentioned when we were young. How, how heated can the competition get? Because... I remember when we were young, named My Chemical Romance as a headliner, Riot, Riot Fest's Twitter started taking shots at when we were young, and obviously come to find out My Chemical Romance playing Riot Fest. So how heated does the competition get with these festivals? You know, I only hear about it secondhand. I mean, this is more of a Denny question, but, uh, you know, <laughs> from, from what I understand, you know, what... You, when you announce lineup and and who's on top and all that kind of stuff, uh, I've heard can almost lead to fistfights sometimes. But uh, Denny, you throw throw fists at anybody? <laughs> I, I know a couple people in Cleveland that would like to throw fists at me, but I haven't thrown fists at anybody. No, um, you know uh, a lineup is always. Um, you know, a discussion, a debate, a negotiation, who's going where on the poster. I mean, certainly with Lumineers and Vampire Weekend, there's no discussion. They are far and away the headliners. But when you get down to the middle of the poster and the lineup, I mean, this can take days and weeks. And I will tell you, in Indianapolis, I had an artist, not where they were placed, but the size of the font, and they were pulling off the day before we were announcing. I know Andrea knows these stories. These are common stories. Do you have any stories that you can say? No. Not that let I me can ask say. You, let me ask you this. For Vampire Weekend, when, when the words put out that Vampire Weekend's hitting the road full on again, uh-huh. what are the offers like for festivals? I mean, is it... Do you get, a, is it pick your festival? I mean, what, how does that work? Um, again, this is not, I can't really speak on this all too much. This goes through management and our okay. booking agents. The touring structure is very unique. <laughs> I get handed the shows when they're already booked that we're doing these festivals, and then I do the advancing and the handling of the festival itself. So management and the booking agents work to put us as headliners on these shows. Uh, Jackie, have you been in a situation where the Vindies have been on one of those big festival posters? And I, I've always been curious for for a younger band or a smaller band than the headliners. What's it like to be one of those small print names on a on a big poster that you got to get the magnifying glass out? Sometimes? You know, <laughs> um, well, uh, I compare it to um, walking into a, a a venue and. Uh, the sound guys thinking that I'm the girlfriend of the band. So, so, so like, I, I kind of love it. I love being, like, a small name and then showing up and being like, bam, that's me, like, on stage. And, you know, people, like, having that, like, uh, you know, surprise, like, we're, we're cool <laughs> kind of thing. Troy, I just want to tell you, in 2012, Imagine Dragons played Firefly. They were on the bottom line second to last to the right. 
and two years later, Imagine Dragons was doing a full arena tour. So nobody starts at the top. You have to work your way up, and you can't skip a step. It's brick by brick. And Imagine Dragons today plays sellout arenas and some places stadiums, and 10 years ago they were on the bottom line all the way to the right. I'm curious for you, Denny, when does planning start for next year? Is it, do you take a moment to breathe, or are you back in the office Monday morning calling Florence and the machine? He's already thinking like, about next year in Florence, so. What's that pitch, like, for, no, but, you know, when do you start planning? Pl- planning started literally two months ago. Um, we're already putting out offers and already booking artists, and that's one change uh, that the pandemic brought as well, is that all of the booking is starting earlier this year. You know, the bands who missed 18, 24 months of touring want to know that they've got something to look forward to and something that's coming. So all of the booking is starting way earlier now. Do you see that too, Steve? Like festivals jumping out earlier, really trying to get things organized and get their headliners booked already? I do. And... um the sales cycles are getting longer and longer. You know, the, the country world has had it right for a long time. They go on sale for the 2023 festival at the 2022 festival, um, and they have a 12-month uh, sales cycle. The other genres haven't caught on yet, really, but, but I mean, that's where I think things are, are, are heading, when, when you're never off sale because you already have your, your band's book. At least your headliners, they'll announce the, the headliners 12 months in advance sometimes. Uh, <clears throat> Andrew? Correct me if I'm wrong. I think I, I want to say you've been overseas with Vampire Weekend for festivals. Um, I'm curious, how are they different, or how are festivals different in the states compared to when you get to Europe, Australia, you know, something like that? Are they different? Um, there are many things that are different about being overseas in general, but the festival vibe is pretty similar all around. I would say the fans are very different no matter where you are, but it, they always bring that energy, and it's always a very good show. Uh, Denny, how how big do you see the wonders getting? Um, it's a weird question, but maybe not a weird question. But are we going to come here someday? Do you have dreams at night of Beyonce's on the stage over there? Like, how big does it get in your head, or do you just take it one year at a time? Well, number one, I'm not a Beyonce fan, and that's important to note because a lot of the lineup we put together, Did you have to we say are say that while sitting next to us. You, Somebody might come after you. We're going to be... There's there's a thing called the beehive. I don't know if you know. I want to be honest. A lot of the bands we book, we are fans of. And we want to curate a festival of bands that we like and we want to either introduce people to or present to people. And I think that's really important. But also, we have no intention of being Lollapalooza. We have no intention of being outside lands or Coachella. We're not going to do camping festivals. It's just not in our DNA. We like the idea of getting festivals from a starting point of about 7,500 to 10,000 up to 15 or 20,000 people per day. We think that's our sweet spot. We figured that out economically. Um, it's manageable. It's sustainable. Um, I think most people walk away from our festival saying, it was clean, it was organized, it was orderly. Um, you know, there's a, been a lot of problems, and we've not talked about this yet, and it may, might be a good topic. There's been a lot of problems at big festivals the last few years. And a lot of this stuff is not rocket science, but the bigger you get, 
the more difficult it becomes to kind of keep track of the environment. You say, let's stay there then. You say it's not rocket science, but what do you mean, you know, some of the big problems, like, is it is it the massive size of the crowd? Is what You know, what is it? Is it crowd control? Is it... Well, first of all, my business partner, Steve Lindecki, has been operating outdoor, large-scale events for 30 years. So experience pays dividends. And secondly, I think that... Um, how you lay out your site, how you organize um, the artists that you choose because there is some musical genres and it's, you know, not one, it's multiple that certain artists incite, and we talked about this after Astro World, they incite more kind of riotous behavior. You know, Vampire Weekend is a great, fun dance band and move and shake and sing and scream, but nobody at Vampire Weekend fan base is trying to tear apart a festival site. And, you know, at Astro World, before the horrible tragedy, earlier in that day, people were breaking in and tearing down fencing and trying to storm the VIP area. I mean, it's just not worth it. Well, what do you do? You know, I'll throw it to you, Steve. I mean, what, you know, You've seen festivals come and go. You look at something like Astroworld, or even, you know, that's such a tragic thing. But, like, you know, I've seen Playboy, somebody like Playboy Cardi, who's hot at the festivals now, and that, that you're in that crowd, and you got to be ready to, you know, take some, some bumps. What do you do? Because those acts are in demand. Do you... that's, that's such a good question. <laughs> you know, Travis Scott's first festival back was supposed to be what was it called, Day, Day and Night or something? Day, Day in Vegas. Day, Day in Vegas, and, and it just got canceled. Um, and I don't know if, it, you know, I don't know if they just suffered from the same lack of sales that a lot of festivals are, or, or if Travis Scott had something to, to, to do with it. But, you know, it's, it's, it's hard, because there's a huge demand. People want to see artists. Um, and I tend to like rowdy artists. I love that shit. But, um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Denny, but, but there are well-known... Uh, you know, scientifically proven ways to do crowd control at large v venues. This is not a new science or anything. What happens is you get you get budget constraints sometimes, and you have to cut back a little, and then more budget constraints, and you ha have to cut back a little, and that's when things get kind of dangerous. Um, there is a way to guarantee none of that happens, but it's just it's just very expensive. So it's it's, it's finding that that sweet spot among some you know the things that, that you can afford and keeping safety for your for your guests. Yeah, and I want to just build on what Steve just said, and we experienced this in Pittsburgh in May with uh, really. Um, tremendous weather coming and high winds. You know, running a festival is hard enough without any issues. And then when you get something like weather, I mean, we're responsible for all of these people and for their safety. And we're responsible to our artists and their safety. And in Pittsburgh, we had a storm coming in and we had to clear the site. And one of the concerns, and this has happened, is high winds can bring down the roof of a stage. So you have to get people away from that, those stage and you have to lower the roof as well. And you know we take all of these precautions and 99.9% .9 of every festival is smart, takes precautions. Um, but you know, as Steve was saying a moment ago, there are scientific ways of doing things and many tragedies are preventable. And I wasn't at um, uh, Astro World, so I can't speak to that. 
I just know that um, when we're trying to scale and run and book our festivals, safety is number one in all regards, from booking to production to fencing to barricades around a stage. Nothing is more important than safety. With Asheroy, a lot was put on Travis, you know, being the artist on stage and, and keeping things going when maybe some think he should have noticed what was going on. Obviously, um, Jackie, you know, different style of music, not that size crowd for you guys yet in your career. But when you're on stage and, and you're the singer, you're the person everybody's looking at, what, kind, how, what, what do you feel is your responsibility? Like, what kind of weight do you bear to, to make sure everybody in the crowd's okay? Um, I, I love that Billie Eilish will stop her concerts to help someone in the crowd that she sees, you know, something that's going on. I mean, I am not Billie Eilish, but when I see that a stage is secure and I have, I know, I wish people were up at the, the front of the stage. I really wish, but I also know it's for the betterment of people's safety to be behind uh, where secure, the security line is so that people don't rush the stage and you get accidents that happen. So th things like that have happened before and I would never want that for any of my audience. Andrea, I know this isn't playing to the type of music that you know you work for. Have you seen any, uh, any issues in any tours or festivals? You've been at event. What's been some of the more challenging you know, things that have happened at, at some of the shows you've been at? I mean, always with live music at big festivals in the sun all day, people can get hurt, they can get dehydrated, there's alcohol involved sometimes. So it is super crucial that your band and your crew are communicating with the festival site as well. So if we see anything that's going on that our artists might not see, that we can communicate with them on stage and they can stop the show if needed and get help to those in need. So it's not just the artist, it's their production team and it's their production team communicating correctly with the venue staff or the festival staff to keep everybody safe. It takes an army to do what we do and we're all supposed to be working together to keep the crowd safe, the crew safe, the band safe and ourselves as well. And I just want to add to what she just said. If there's an issue, I can be at the soundboard with Vampire Weekend's sound engineer who can be talking to the monitor guy who's talking directly to Ezra, the lead singer. Mm -hmm. And we can make communication in real time and within seconds, Ezra can be sending a message to the entire crowd. Right. Uh, uh, switching gears, Andrea, okay, so take me through your day. I mean... The band plays for an hour and a half tonight. Yes. You have been here for a while. <laughs> so what, what is your job? Like, take me through your day. And you came in last night, so. I did come in last night. So there's a production team and a large crew that takes care of all of these bands, specifically Vampire Weekend. Our crew does an incredible job. They loaded in last night. So a lot of them came in at 1 o'clock in the morning to start setting up risers and lights and worked throughout the night. And then we had another crew that came in this morning at 6.30 to finish setting up the stage, getting the instruments ready, doing a line check. So it's my job to make sure that they have everything that they need to do their jobs perfectly and also to take care of the band simultaneously throughout all of this. So they hire myself and the crew to handle all the instruments so that they have nothing to worry about. And we just want to make them feel comfortable so that when they step onto that stage, they know that everything is taken care of and they can have the best performance that they can have. And notice, people, she already has her walkie-talkie on. <laughs> always. Uh, well, always Troy, with Troy, my radio. Yeah, I want to say, <laughs> we, 
Honestly, I mean this. Thank you for being here, Andrea, because her job today is nonstop. <laughs> and the fact that we got her on stage for an hour and she's not jumping up to take a call on the radio, I mean, this is very cool. Well, I had to turn it off, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Steve, I'm curious, you know, with your job, people think, see tickets, sell the tickets, go to bed, you know. But no, talk to me. Head of music for C tickets, what is, you know, where does your job take you? You know, it's more than just selling tickets. <laughs> it is. Um, <laughs> it takes me to a lot of different festivals. So it's, it's given me um, a perspective to see what works and what doesn't across probably more festivals, you know, probably as, as, as many f festivals as Andrea has seen. You know, like I, I go a to, lot, yeah, I, I, I go to festivals all the time. And, and, and from what we're responsible for, which is not just the tickets, but the, the, the entry and the, in, the, the ingress and the egress and, and, and how the line at the box office is set up, you know, like just to, to everything, um, you know, I, I find it fun to try and advise and give best practices to all my clients um, and try and help them create good experiences for their, their fans. Because it's, it's the first experience that you get to when you get on, on site and the last experience. So, um, you know, we take that, that uh, seriously, and and uh, you know we're we're we have staff on site from before doors open till after do doors close uh, for every festival. And obviously, part of it, I'm sure, is, is staying up on trends. And you mentioned uh, when we were young and, and the number of tickets that they were selling. Is that something you guys look at? And then you see how many tickets they're moving, and you guys get together like, okay, what are they doing? What can we do? I know part of it's this, their festival itself, oh, yeah. but is that something, you know? Yeah, I probably have two or three calls a week where I'm sharing marketing best practices. And, you know, we've seen this promotion work. Don't do that one. It's, it's, it's a waste of money. Like, we, we can see what is working and what's not, and we share that with our, with our other clients. As, uh, Troy, can I ask Steve a question? <laughs> First of all, thank you, Steve, because your staff's amazing. And we, uh, like Andrea said, it's always nice to see familiar faces. And we've got our seat tickets guys and gals, and they come in here and they're out here. I think they were here when they cheered for Steve. Um, they're amazing, and they do a great job. But, Steve, I was asked a question about competing against Live Nation and AEG and the bigger events. I know you're owned by a gigantic company, but you're still your own operating unit, and you're still viewed as an independent ticket operation. How do you find it competing against Axis and Ticketmaster? So Live Nation AEG festivals don't have a choice. They have to use those ticket companies because those are the ones that are owned by those companies. So interestingly, I, I rarely compete against them for the same types of uh, events. The, the independents just don't really want to go that direction most of the time. Um, but I mean, those are very quality companies and they have good technology and everything else. Um, but we just sort of, you know, they're owned by their masters. Sorry, I, I, don't, I, I know that's a bad word. And so they do, you know, a, uh, AEG's ticketing company, uh, they'll do what Coachella wants and they'll build what Coachella wants. And so they have that as their, their main focus. Well, for us, we can develop what's going to be good for the independents out there um, and really have a, a, a wider range of functionality and marketing services than maybe they do. You know, we're talking about all this, you know, industry and Vampire Weekend has its own tour manager. You're still in, like, the DIY phase, Jackie. <laughs> well, what's that like, though? There's something fun about it, right? Because talk to me about what all these fans, even the ones that come see the Vindies, you know, at one of the Wonderfests, What's it like backstage? I mean, what, what don't we see? What's that vibe like? It's amazing backstage. 
It, it, for these festivals, I just, I mean, we are treated like gold. Um, they get us our whiskey. They get us our, um, you know, whatever we need. They're like towels, um, waters on stage. Like they have it all set up for you and whatever you need. I had an, in Indianapolis, I had a girl. I, I, I kind of want to text her and see if she's here. I can't remember her name, but she was just for us, like just taking care of us throughout the day. So it's like complete 180 from like show up to a venue. Maybe there's a sound guy that's going to show up at this time or that time. Um, I will say that the the more that gigs that I've been doing um, and different festivals here and there, um, the biggest um, thing is pre-production communication for me. So if there is a line of communication that people are responding, I mean, I, I even this morning, I was figuring out the tickets and it, it, there was complete response almost immediately about getting the tickets to come in today um, or you know, setting, setting up what is the backline situation, backline meaning, is there going to be a drum set on stage for us to... Um, <laughs> We have a, we have a ball like, out of a volleyball. I like the little Geico. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I would say that my the more the bigger that things become for the the Vindies, um, the more important communication is between your promoter, between your um, your sound engineer, and everything. So I, I really appreciate that about um, these wonder wonders. As a former artist manager, I can attest that. Uh, if a band is treated well at a festival, they'll go straight to management and say, I, I want to be there again, make sure that I'm on that, 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 uh, that bill again. And conversely, if they don't, they say, make sure I'm never yep. at that place again. Yeah, and I want to add to that. I mean, the Vampire Weekend's management company, we've had several other artists at that company play our festivals. And to what Steve just said, if it was a train wreck, they'd be like, we're not going there. No, they know. Um, you know, I want to wrap things up, but I want to give each of you uh, a chance to sort of plug what you guys got coming next, because I'm curious. So I want to start with the Vindies. You guys didn't... Oh, oh she's breaking out the, the phone here. Okay. What is next? I live and die by this what, thing What is now. coming up for the Vindies? So we got... Let me see. I'll edit this later. Um, the 22nd, we are going to be in Columbus at Natalie's in Grandview. Um, the 23rd, we're at Jackson Township Amphitheater. And from there, I fly out on the 26th, and we are playing Oceanside, um, California. We're playing Los Angeles at the Hotel Cafe um, on the 28th. The 30th, we're in Carson City at the Levitt Amphitheater. And then th the 31st, we're at the Brick and Mortar Music Hall in San Francisco. It's a lot. It's our first time out west, and we're just, you know, so excited. Awesome. Congrats. Yeah, uh, Andrew, I want to ask you, I know, you know, I could ask what Vampire Weekend's doing next, but you, correct me if I'm wrong, technically your job is a freelance tour manager because you... Correct. Yeah, yeah, you've been on the road with LCD Sound System as well. Mm -hmm. What's next for you? <laughs> this year for me is just tour managing LCD Sound System and Vampire Weekend, so Vampire has a couple of festivals coming up, and LCD is going to do a little West Coast run, so they're keeping me very busy this year, the both of them. Uh, it's like, I think most people probably wish they had your job <laughs> with those two bands in particular. Um, I'm very lucky. 
Steve, what's next for you? Um, when did this festival season stop for you? <laughs> it stops probably around late October, around the Halloween festivals. But, um, you know, for, for the next two days in Cleveland, there's a, a conference that's very near and dear to my heart. It's the, uh, the NEVA conference, the National Independent Venue Association. They're the ones mostly responsible for getting uh, the Save Our Stages Act uh, passed, which supported a lot of the independent festivals and venues er around the country uh, to keep them al alive. So we'll all be in town and, and talking about what's next for that or organization. And uh, uh, if you can support Neva in any way, if you like independent music and venues and stuff like that, please do. And for people that are in Cleveland, um is it multiple venues like Beachland, those places? Yeah, Beachland, Grog Shop, a whole bunch of other ones. Yeah, that's awesome, awesome. Um, and the man over here, uh, Mr. Wonder, um, other than this this growing uh, distaste you have for Beyonce, I wonder I what... I don't have distaste. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Okay, what, what's next for you? Obviously, we have uh, another wonder coming up in August. So, uh, first of all, um, I will join Steve at the NEVA conference this week, and I'm speaking on the festivals panel on Tuesday with a bunch of great people from around the country that will be sharing stories and talking probably much like we've talked today. Uh, secondly, Wonder Bus in Columbus, August 26, 27, 28. Duran Duran headlining Friday night, Lord headlining Saturday night, the Lumineers headlining Sunday night, plus 25 other bands. It's going to be insane, absolutely insane. Third, I want to thank Rad for hosting this stage and sponsoring this stage, recording artists against drunk driving. They have been working tirelessly all week and all month to remind people to be safe and make sure you plan ahead and that you drive home safely or that you use uh, um, you know, rideshare services. And finally, Troy, I want to thank you guys because what a lot of people don't realize, and we were talking about this earlier, uh, the Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com have a team of dedicated journalists for music. And I know a lot of that is driven by the fact that we have the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame here and that Cleveland has an enormous amount of tours and, and you know, uh, big events coming through here. But the commitment you guys have made to music is not imp only important for us and bands like the Vindies, but also for the Vampire Weekends of the world so that there's extra outlets in Northeast Ohio for our music fans to learn more about these artists and these events. And there are many cities where there's not a single person working the music beat. So hats off to Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. Thanks. Happy to do it. And... Everybody, I want to thank everybody who just sat out here. I know we're not, you know, dancing around, playing loud music, but it's great to see your faces. Um, chilling in the shade back there, too. Probably a wise move. Um, CLE Rocks podcast on every major podcasting platform. This episode that you've been listening to, it'll go up tomorrow morning on cleveland.com. Share it. Check it out. Listen back. I want to thank the panelists. Uh, thank you guys for joining me, taking time out of your day. Um, check out the Vindies next time you get a chance. Check out Vampire Weekend tonight uh, and Neva the conference. If, you, if you're in Cleveland area in the next few days, stop by one of those venues and show support. Thank you guys so much. It's a wrap. Thank you, Troy. Thank you. Thanks, Troy.